the devil's going to get his due. <laughs> you can't get something for nothing, so to speak. What's up, guys? Today on Muscle Minds, we're going to dive back into L-carnitine. About six weeks ago, we talked about how it can have a negative impact on your thyroid. Well, there's a lot more information than that. It turns out it can also have a positive impact on your thyroid. Plus, it turns out that carnitine has not really been proven to have any effect on the androgen receptor. So we're going to discuss all of that and a bunch more. If you guys enjoy our content, then do me a favor, hit the like button, leave us a comment. And listen, if you are new here, then I encourage you to subscribe because we have several bodybuilding podcasts coming out each week, tons of different hosts, topics, lots of entertainment and education to help you do better at this sport that we love. Thanks for watching guys. Let's get to Muscle Minds. What's up, guys? Welcome back to Muscle Minds with Scott Stevenson. All of our programming is brought to you by truenutrition.com. You can use our code as always, which is THINK, and you can get some savings on some awesome, high-quality third-party tested supplements that hardcore bodybuilders have trusted for 15 years. We're also brought to you by supplementsource.ca. If you're in Canada, check those guys out. They've got a lot of really good blowout deals on brand-name supplements. Uh, you can also uh, check out our, our affiliate Amino Asylum. This is, I just got a, I thought this was fitting to get my vials out today. This is a legal product. This is an amino acid, L-carnitine. I've got, I've been using the 400 milligram and I am going to go to the 600 milligram user code think over there, by the way, uh, for 20% off. And, and it's fitting because we were going to dig into some L-carnitine today. Am I right? I think so. I think the time has come. I've been waiting for to, this. Um, yeah, yeah. It was a long time ago. It was like at least six weeks ago. It's going to be a two weeks, two week uh, interval, yeah. six or eight maybe. When it's been a this couple just months, came up. Yep. Um, you know what? I, so I'll, I have. What's I'll, that? I'll tell you too, man. So I've had a couple months to experience uh, L-carnitine. I hadn't used it in the past because in the past it had been really painful. And I was like, man, there's no way I'm taking three CCs of that every day. But the new stuff that they're coming out with is it is pretty much pain-free. I haven't noticed any pain from it. Mm -hmm. And, uh, post being sick, I've had some like mental fog and stuff like that. I've noticed it a, a really nice cognitive enhancement from L-carnitine. And I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying it a lot. That's why I bought, like I said, I'm going to up it a little bit, got the 600 milligram vial next. But we've had enough time between the time we decided to start talking about this till now that I can give you my review as yeah. somebody who got sick and has been recovering right. for almost a year now. Uh, it's It's been very helpful to me. I like it a lot. And what's been your average daily dose in the, like the last or since you've started using it and felt the effects? Okay, so I'll what I'll end up doing is if because I'll have periods where I forget to take it for a little while. I'm not gonna lie. Okay, but what I'll do you're not the, taking enough. That's the problem. Like yeah. you wouldn't forget those <laughs> So what I'll do is I'll start with 400 milligrams and I'll load it like that for several days, like three four days in a row, and then after that I'll back it down to like 200. And I feel like 200 okay. gives me the same cognitive boost. But if I just start with 200, I, I don't I don't feel like I get quite the edge I want. So I'll go with 400 to get it loaded for a few days. And then I back mm -hmm. it off to 200 a day. And just so that I remember taking it, I'm taking it first thing. It, well, I take it in the morning 
uh, about the time I eat breakfast. So it's, it's pretty okay. early. And that, that seems to be good for me, man. I know that if Carbs I could. in your breakfast usually? Ex- I do. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I know if I could get in around training that I could, or cardio, I could get some benefits out of that possibly. But I, I yeah. just want to make sure the most important thing is that I get it in. So I'm also, by the way, I'm using it sub Q, which seems to be okay. absolutely painless as well. That, oh, that way man. I just, I'm not doing a ton of IM injections every week, you know? Yeah, yeah, right. So, yeah, it's been really interesting. There's so many rabbit holes in the L-carnitine literature. And there's still, it's like even still some questions kind of pop up. And it's really kind of a fascinating thing. So I've written the article. I've written, I mean, I've kind of done my first draft of the article that's going to be on John Meadows' site. So for people who don't know, John's site's still up and running. You've got like dec- like over a, close to a decade of old, archives and really good information like all the John stuff and they're still putting out you know some really top-notch stuff from what I've seen I think the they're just John had really unraveled the mystery of social media and getting things out there yes I think in a way that the um, like our, the I don't know if like RJ is his web webmaster he's the guy who people will see posting most stuff I think it's only going on like the um, the private Facebook group for Mountain Dog Diet site members. I'm okay. not sure how much is actually making it out because because John's Facebook page is now in memoriam, so that's kind of shut down. And people balked. People, there was like they tried to post a couple things on his Instagram mm-hmm. where he has uh, at least a hundred thousand followers. I don't know what the number is, but and people are like, "Oh, what are you doing? What are you doing?" So they don't have the venue. So I'm kind of helping here. Um, in mentioning this because the stuff's still coming out, but they just, uh, it just isn't probably being disseminated in the, in the way that, that John could have when he was alive. Yeah. Um, and this article was going to go up there eventually. They're going to, I think they're going to kind of regroup now after the new year and focus on that. So I got to put, dig in all this stuff. So it's a really fascinating thing. There is a, um, what you could call a reciprocal antagonism between L-carnitine and thyroid hormone, and and it's and it's very very tricky. And I've been sort of couching the article from the context: the devil's going to get his due. <laughs> you can't get something for nothing, so to speak. Yeah. And so what we know is that L-carnitine it's it's sort of a, a pseudo vitamin. It's a vitamin-like substance. Your body produces like only like fifteen milligrams of it a day. That's sort of normal turnover. Because some is lost. It's very much like like um, creatine in that regard. Hmm. So you creatine, you know, you got like 120, 104, depending on the size of the person, a little over 100 total grams per day. And about t- two grams is typical turnover because creat- creatine just spontaneously degrades to creatinine. In the case of L-carnitine, from what I've been able to find, it's not totally known what stimulates its turnover, but just like vitamins, um, and it's acting like a vitamin. Vitamins are very often constituents of enzymes of metabolism. So people say like, the B vitamins you need for energy. And it's like, yeah, actually, yeah, because if you look at like what all they, what things they do, they're involved with the major energetic pathways. And L-carnitine is as well, and it's a very important component of an acyl transferase that takes acyl, which is just fatty acids, from outside of the mitochondria into the mitochondria where they can get oxidized. So fat burning is an important 
component of a, the of a major sort of gateway or rate limiting enzyme for fat burning. So that's the whole idea: is that you take L-carnitine because it will stimulate fat burning. And actually, in one of the one of the studies that came out of the more, more recently of those, it's not like this burning activity. There's not a burning uh, uh, activity in the research world with this with this compound. The, sub, the studies kind of piddle out, but um, they found giving L-carnitine orally for 12 weeks, this is a Paul Greenhalf's lab in the UK, um, it was 1.36 grams per day actually with 80 grams of carbs, um, so a one, a day, one time a day dosing. The, the uh, placebo group actually gained body fat. Um, hmm. Yeah, because they were eat, they were giving them extra food, you know, extra extra three hundred twenty calories a day from those eighty grams of carbs. Assuming nothing else, they didn't do a, enough of a dietary recall to know what the caloric excess actually was. But that group who got the placebo gain fat did not happen in the L-carnitine group. Huh. And what they found, they had them do some low intensity exercise on a cycle ergometer, and there was a six percent higher energy expenditure in the group that had been given the L-carnitine. So it, it seems that something's going on. It's literally increasing flux um, through beta oxidation. And, there was, and, th- and that seemed to all be, it wasn't statistical, statistically significant, but it seemed like that shift came from extra fat burning. So how that plays out in terms of resting metabolic rate, don't know. I'm surprised they didn't measure that. Maybe I didn't know why they didn't. And I'm going to get to that in just a second, or maybe why they didn't actually report it if they did. And I'm not throwing any insinuations out, but um, because. So more on L-carnitine. So the, here's kind of the good of L-carnitine. Um, heavy training actually will deplete L-carnitine just a little bit. You'll lose some. That doesn't happen so much with creatine, to my knowledge. Um, and so you get it from your food, obviously, meat sources, dairy sources, but your body makes some too, just like with creatine. And if you supplement at about two grams per day, um, what happens over the course of a few months, this is orally, a few months is those athletes in particular, one particular study who didn't supplement went down in terms of muscle cre- L-carnitine content by like 5%, 10%. So it'll tend to be somewhat, quote, unquote, depleted. Okay, it's deficient, but not completely gone. And if you supplement, values go up. Okay, so you widen the difference. Huh? Yeah, that's something that would be noticeable for someone under those two circumstances. Maybe a twenty percent difference in L-carnitine content. Yeah. So, and we know too. Like, I'm just sort of guessing. Folks know this, but insulin is important for regulating L-carnitine uptake. That's why they had the carbs in that study. That's why a lot of people use. insulin when they consume L-carnitine to try to um, facilitate the uptake. Same thing is actually true of, of, um, car- of creatine as well. Insulin facilitates the uptake. So um, you can get a loading effect just from oral. That's what this particular, just from oral supplementation, that's what this particular study showed. There was pretty, pretty the, the, the most, um, most favorable, I'd say, of, as far as things that are applicable in terms of metabolism for bodybuilders. More fat burning during cardio is a good thing. And more energy yeah. expenditure is a good thing too. That's the whole point of cardio for bodybuilders. So um, what else do we have? So 
there's also a, a, a meta-analysis, and there's a lot of studies that have been done early and later studies have been done with varying doses of L-carnitine looking at um, just dieting situations. Does it help with fat loss? And you see there, in a, if you look across dozens of these dozens of studies, that you get an effect up to about two grams orally per day, and there's nothing, no additional effect. And some studies have compared, for instance, two grams and four grams. There's no additional effect in terms of of loading L-carnitine, and, and and in terms of just if you look at the the meta-analysis from the the grand scheme of things no greater fat burning effect from going above two grams per day. So remember, 15 milligrams is you're basically going to keep the, the tank even, so to speak. And it's maybe higher if you're doing some extra training. So we're talking like 30, maybe 40 milligrams, not a lot. If you take two grams a day, that will keep you from going down. It will actually will, will optimize, so to speak, and boost your L-carnitine levels a little bit. If you're doing an injectable... We're gonna. We'll just make the presumption that you've pretty much got a hundred percent bioavailability. Um, the half life in the blood is is probably it's on the order of you know five ten hours. Depends. There's a couple of different studies looking at this. Um, they're doing IV in this case, so not sub Q or intramuscular. I've only seen one study um, that I've been able to dig up that that, that had showed intramuscular injections. Okay. Um, they went up to a thousand milligrams a day actually. Wow. Um, yeah. So interestingly enough, in these studies where typically they're going to like, um, and that, but that was 1,000 milligrams for just like 10 days, and then they dropped back down to like 2 grams um, a day for, for, for months there, thereafter, like basically a complete year in this particular study. You don't get any, there's no side effects as long as you're below at the 2 gram level, and that's what most of these studies are doing. No one's really going any higher than that. Bioavailability... Um, it ranges. It's like you, you absorb pretty much everything you get from food because it's small amounts. So you eat a bunch of meat. You may only get, you know, 15, 20, 30 milligrams of L-carnitine. And your body's able to absorb and retain most of that. But if you take in two grams, a two-gram dose, you may, you may only have about 10%. So 200 milligrams mm. that is retained. Um, that get, makes its way into the bloodstream. The rest of it stays in the gut. Hmm. So 200 versus 15, like we're, that's a lot of L-carnitine. Yeah. Um, so here, so that's just kind of keep the numbers in mind. We got to look at the grand scheme of things because there's not enough direct evidence to to say you know if we do this then we'll do that. But if we look at these numbers, that's where it's interesting. So two grams per day. 200, 300 milligrams, something like that. And it's about 200 milligrams has been your sweet spot, so it seems. Yeah. And there's several studies with a variety of neuromuscular disorders. They've done used age, folks with aging, people with chronic congestive heart failure um, who have fatigue or, or in fatigue, fatiguing conditions where they have a relief of their fatigue yeah. from using L-carnitine at about the two grams per day. So very similar to exactly what you've experienced, really. Absolutely. Um, in terms of it, they're using an oral dose instead of a, um, an injected or an IV dose. So, but here's the interesting thing, and this is where um, more is not better. The study that Victoria actually was able to get a hold of for me, um, Strach, 
High Step, uh, that's his name. Sorry, I started switching to German. Um, <laughs> he's a German author. The paper was in German. Yeah. Um, it was from 1959. And there's been several papers um, since then, but they were literally around the year 2000 or so that have demonstrated that in individuals with hyperthyroidism, and when that in that Strzok paper, literally they were like one of the the first the one they spend the most time talking about the first case study was someone who had a heart rate resting of 170. Holy it shit! It was so bad. Yeah. So that's like you know that's get me to the ER. Yeah. Like, holy shit! My heart's gonna blow up. Um, they did as far as I can tell. It's sort of hard to figure these things out. This one thing I want to take another dive in. Maybe I'll I'll be able to scratch out something. Um, their measurement of BMR of metabolic rate was was one that I couldn't find the the source paper for, where they are measuring actually blood pressure and heart rate as an estimate of met- metabolic rate. Okay. And they were suggesting that just actually it was less than two grams, but two a little bit less than two grams of a day was able to basically, and this only took us several days, completely remedy that hyperthyroidism hmm. and bring everything down to like, they, they said it was like 80% of a of elevated metabolic rate from the thyroid. It's a really crude estimate, um, the way they did it as far as I can tell. It took, for, it took, it was very hard to figure that out. It would have been hard in English or German. It was either way, I'm like, how the fuck are they measuring this? I couldn't figure it out. And finally, I saw a notation in one of the figures. Now, you said that was two grams IV? No, oral. Oh, so they're, okay. Wow. Yeah. Okay. They started off, they, they, this is like, this is how you figure stuff. They were using D and L-carnitine. So dextro and levorotatory. So different molecular configurations. And L is the one that we find in the body. Yeah. And really weren't getting much. And then they switched to L, and immediately they start seeing it. Literally, it was like almost an immediate relief type of thing. Wow. So here's what's going on. Like, how can that be? Yeah. It's very interesting. Something, and this hasn't totally been elucidated yet, but L-carnitine, in some way, shape, or form, prevents thyroid hormone from having its genomic actions, from from basically upregulating those genes of metabolism um, it, that which is a process that happens in the nucleus. So there are some other effects of, of thyroid that L-carnitine doesn't interfere with, but the, what, what you could kind of consider the primary ones where it's literally at a very basic level regulating metabolic rate, um, as thyroid is known to do, by turning on genes in the nucleus it can't it can't have those effects because L-carnitine prevents it getting into the nucleus. Yeah. Never makes it in. So it can't bind to its receptor there and go about its business. So that's why for someone who's got too much thyroid um you can you see this effect where it's basically blocking that excess thyroid from ha- causing the symptoms and it's very very effective at that. So and that's also at that two gram dose, interestingly enough. So it's still kind of wishy washy and gray as to what's going on in that dose. Um, they saw no further effect when they tried four grams in that case, okay. if I'm remembering correctly. So two grams was enough to to prevent the hyperthyroidism. Two grams seems to be okay for remedying fatigue in some individuals. 
Yeah. And there's an interesting study where they actually gave, and they knew, and this is why they did it in part, they gave L-carnitine for subjects who were hypothyroid. And when I first read that, I'm like, well, what the, like, <laughs> that can of, that can of work, that's not going to, not going to, because you're going to just block the thyroid. Yeah. But here's the interesting thing. So, um, hypothyroidism, which would happen when someone's diet, someone's dieting long term, who's not taking L-carnitine, for instance, um, hypothyroidism, potentially, at least from a rodent study, and this particular study also, um, may mean low L-carnitine levels as well because the thyroid hormone upregulates L-carnitine synthesis in the body, in the liver. So too much thyroid or um, too much thyroid, mean L-carnitine binds it, it won't work. But you also need some thyroid to tell the body to produce L-carnitine. So not enough thyroid, if you're hypothyroid, you can be low in L-carnitine. So someone who's hypothyroid could very well be low in L-carnitine. They take L-carnitine and they feel better hmm. because now they have better energy metabolism hmm. because they can use fat better because they are hypothyroid. They take too much. And here's where the devil lies. This is where it's the tricky part. You take too much and now you've got you're way beyond what you need to load. Start taking three or four grams orally, let's say. And now it's now there's the possibility that you're blocking thyroid's actions. Okay, you've, yeah. You've, and you, let's say you start off and you're hypothyroid and, um, or slightly or just you've been training really hard and you start taking some L-carnitine. You're like, wow, I think I'm burning. I feel better. Maybe I'm losing fat a little bit faster. It has an effect. Guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to take some more. Of course, yeah. And you start taking more and taking more, and now you're taking so much, you've already got the effect of loading. It'd be like taking mm. 50 grams of creatine a day. Yeah. You know, you want to load up, and you're not going to get necessarily much. There's some theory that we'll leave to the side for now, but once you're loaded, you want to just sort of maintain that loaded status. If you start taking more L-carnitine, just like we see with these hyperthyroid patients, there's a possibility that you're actually going to just blunt your thyroid. So you shoot yourself in the foot, you slow your metabolic rate, and then you're like, well, shit, guess what I got to do now? I got to take some more thyroid, and I'm going to take some more L-carnitine. So you've got a, a vicious cycle that, yeah. can, that can come about where you're taking more th thyroid to, because you're blocking the thyroid. And here's, here's where the devil is a sneaky bastard, so sneaky. This is pretty friggin' cool. The effect in, in these, in, in every, literally in every study, there's one, there's only one instance where there was a slight budge within normal ranges of blood markers of, of thyroid metabolism. When they give L-carnitine for hyperthyroidism or hypothyroidism or experimental conditions, and they monitor TSH, T4, T3, reverse T3, no effect of L-carnitine. So L-carnitine is blocking thyroid's action at the cells, especially in the hyperthyroid situation. We know this. It treats it really, really well. It's used in emergency circumstances, but it doesn't manifest in the blood work.
Hmm. So put yourself back in the shoes of the bodybuilder who got a nice good effect from L-carnitine and then things sort of you know, slow down as they diet down and they're like, well, I should probably start adding some, adding some thyroid. And oh, I think I forgot one other thing. <laughs> I did. Here's the other tricky thing. This is such a tricky. You can see why this is such so tricky. And if you're not following, I get it. Well, I can cover. I'm, I'm following you. I'm following you. Hi- hypothyroidism also means you'll be low in L-carnitine. And okay. I might, so it it's, it stimulates. Well, I, I won't get into that, but it it basically makes it such that you more easily lose L-carnitine. So a hyperthyroidism person will be low in L-carnitine. A hypothyroidism may very well also be low in L-carnitine. Take the person who uses L-carnitine and they get a nice effect because they're a little hypothyroid and then they diet down like, do I should probably add in some some thyroid now? Mm -hmm. And that thyroid actually, um, it might help a little bit. But it also will will tend to potentially mean you, push it down. L carnitine goes. Yeah, down. yeah. Okay, I follow so what you. you. Need now more now you need more L carnitine. <laughs> yes, and which which does what blocks the thyroid action. So what do you need now? More L, more thyroid. Yeah, that's tricky. It's very tricky. And you can't so you can't not, say hey let's do labs to see what's happening. And the labs won't tell you shit. Wow. That's why I think that's why I think this has been such a sneaky thing, hmm. and I think Andrew may have t- talked about this in Blood, Sweat, and Gear, and he and I chatted about it about it um, a couple times. And I'm waiting. I'm trying to contact some other people. If anyone know anyone's had this experience, I'd love to hear from you. He kind of found that L-carnitine worked for him, so he felt, but that he was, the, but thyroid. He had to use more thyroid during his preps, especially this last year, okay. than than he had before, hmm. and more L-carnitine would would necessitate in order to have the same actions of thyroid metabolically speaking it makes sense the use of more thyroid so just to kind of like reiterate what I've heard so far you're telling me that if you have low thyroid you can use L-carnitine at about two grams if you have high thyroid you can bring that down by using L-carnitine at about two grams. Yeah. <laughs> if, and, and, and then it gets trickier. I don't even want to try to reiterate what you said after that. Yeah, this is this is a mess, man. It's a it is a mess. And here's something cool. This is why it took me a little while to dig. I want to make sure, like, I kind of had some of these things straight. So, in this study where they they had hypothyroid patients, yeah, um, these were people who had been diagnosed with hypothyroidism, various reasons, and they were given replacement thyroid to balance out their thyroid levels. Yeah. And they found that the L-carnitine on average, and this is another great example of on average you don't see anything, but they did a nice job of looking in deeper into their data at mm. individual responses. On average, the L-carnitine did not help with fatigue sim- symptoms of fatigue. Okay. And again, I'm thinking the L-carnitine helps with fatigue because it's literally affecting your ability to utilize fuel and burn fat, oxidize fat at a very basic cellular level. And that would make sense that everything effort-wise effort might be relieved a little bit. If, you're, if basically your, um, your cellular engines are more, more readily oxidized fat as a fuel, which is our typical fuel, especially if we haven't eaten for a while, our resting metabolic rate is low. We use more fat. 
Um, if you're able to do that more easily, and like in the, in the Stevens et al. study where they were oxidizing fuel really readily during low-intensity low exercise, having some remedying low L-carnitine in the muscle would help with fatigue. Yeah. And in the study of hypothyroidism, these patients had varying degrees of replacement, and they also had varying, varying thyroid levels based on their replacement. And there's a subset of those patients who benefited from the L-carnitine. That subset was the individuals with the highest blood levels of thyroid hormone and who hmm. were taking the most. Many of them were those who had had a thyroidectomy secondary to cancer, so hmm. no thyroid at all. They typically, I, like, I don't know exactly, maybe some physicians can hop in, but they, they might do something like 100 micrograms sometimes in that case a day, which is more than what you typically see is what's, what's produced um, if you look at T3, T4 and T3 levels, it's pretty high. Um, and that puts them at the, but on average that put them at the kind of the very tip top of the normal range. Okay. Those were the people who experienced, um, fatigue relief from the L-carnitine and they speculated. And my thought was the more thyroid that you, you use, the more you deplete L-carnitine and thus the more likely it could be that you L-carnitine will help because you need it to keep your L muscle L-carnitine levels high. Yeah. So they that the, the little extra thyroid, even within that range yeah. of normal, but it was high normal, um, is enough to mean you're going to be lower in L-carnitine than would be would be optimal, so to speak, or or better for you. So high normal tend to mean that L-carnitine helped with fatigue, probably because they got loaded. They loaded the muscle that way. Mm -hmm. Those individuals who were who were back to you thyroid with supplementation but weren't at the high end, L-carnitine didn't matter for them because they they didn't get a loading effect more than likely. They mm -hmm. didn't measure the muscle muscle values in that particular study, but that makes sense, everything that we see. So you've got this situation where someone might be even using just – um, let's say 50 micrograms of T3 a day, you know, when they're dieting down. And even if they're measuring their blood work and they're like at the upper normal, it's just above, so, okay, good, I'm running hot, baby. I want my metabolism moving. Yeah. Um, that's where L-carnitine could help mm. in the right amount. Right, right. And, until perhaps they start using more. So here's the thing. Two grams, like I said, is maybe 200, 300 milligrams that gets into the blood. And that 200 milligram dose injected is what was what you found works. Yeah. And a lot of people use 400 or 600. 600. Milligrams. Yeah. When I was younger, yeah. I remember uh, 15 years ago that the, that was it across the board. Everybody said you had to use 600 a day, and that was the big turnoff for me, especially since the products were painful back then. Right. Right. And that's a lot. So there's there's a bunch of things to kind of consider here, and this is where this sort of unknowns and, and hand waving. We may be getting some questions. I don't know, but um, I have one. No, I have one that, that's not on here, but we have been asked it before. I don't know when a good time to throw it in would me, be. Yeah, but let me finish this last thought. Just for sure, all for sure. Dangling here. Yeah, I wasn't going to um, throw it in now. It's just yeah, yeah. but it's something that I know people are going to ask. So there's a timing issue. So you, let's say it, it, like a two gram dose after about twelve hours, blood levels are back down. Okay. 
So it's unknown exactly what the dose response is uh, for L-carnitine in terms of inhibiting thyroid action. That's kind okay. of my main my main thought. Is like two grams will 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 basically remedy those hyperthyroid um, symptoms over a course of several days. Um, so that's good to know, you know. But two grams also doesn't seem to like it seems to help people you know who are fatigued as well. Yeah, who have more normal thyroid. So we've got a dose response from what I'm gathering there. We've got a dose response scenario whereby whether the dose is inhibitory or not depends on how high your thyroid is. Okay. So in the study with the people who are given replacement thyroid because they were hypo, those who had the highest thyroid got the greatest effect from L-carnitine Maybe because the thyroid was burning up the L-carnitine and they needed the supplementation. Yeah. So the, so there's one part of like, okay, so how do we juggle this? Because the blood work doesn't tell us shit. And then the other idea that's kind of important, I think, is how long the L-carnitine hangs around in the blood. So you do an oral dose or you do an injectable dose, it's gone in maybe 12 hours. If you do it like, let's say, once a day, one dose a day, um, then you maybe have 10 hours or more where there's, there's no L-carnitine hmm. that's, at least in the blood, um, elevated to be blocking that thyroid. Uh, now, it may already be in, the, you may be, it may be in the cells where it's having that effect. I don't know this. Yeah. I haven't seen the data, and I don't think anyone's, anyone quite knows yet. I'll look, I'm going to look again. So it might be like one way to um, obviate, to avoid this, negative impact on thyroid metabolism would be somewhat infrequent doses. Keep hmm. the tank full, use a good amount once a day, once every other day, and then get loaded up, which hopefully happens. Um, that's hard to know too because it seems to take a while. And then back off hmm. so that you're, you're not continually blocking your thyroid. Yeah. On the other end of that spectrum, I would suggest, I would guess that individuals who are we can say this, probably, this is probably the most certain thing I could say. For someone who's using like, let's say, 600 milligrams a day, and they're, and they're spreading out over like three 200 milligram shots, and they're also using more thyroid than um, maybe they would like to, they're probably using, they're probably blocking the effects of that thyroid with yeah. the L-carnitine use. So you've got... You know, you're you're pushing really hard, and you're pulling in, in in two different directions. You might end up in the same same spot if you just use less L-carnitine and less thyroid. Yeah, which as is opposed to tricky, banging man. your head against the wall with both at the same time. Yeah, it's so tricky. That's the that's the tricky. That's the tricky. But I think the main thing people can kind of take away from this is if you find L-carnitine works, and stick with that, perhaps. Mm -hmm. don't try to use more and if you especially if you use more and you find that you like that you want to use more thyroid um or you think that that if you use more thyroid and that has an has an effect it's like that might tell you that your carnitine has been blocking your thyroid hmm. action and blood work's not gonna not gonna do much to tell you what's going on there hmm. morning temperature might be i haven't seen this measured but that's one way to evaluate your metabolic rate so morning temperature in your eyes, if you could get into a, a lab where they can do indirect calorimetry, 
They measure measure gases. Mm. That's a way to do things too. Mm. That would tell you what your BMR is. That's how it's typically measured. They can put you in a bomb calorimeter, but no one ever does that. So you just you make your way into a lab, or you even sleep there the night before, and they just wake up wake you up in the morning, and they they measure your metabolic rate by measuring oxygen, CO two. If you if you started out with a normal resting heart rate. Would measuring normal resting heart rate show you anything? Yeah, you would think it would. Okay. That, that's the interesting thing. Like literally there's a meta-analysis where there was 49 studies and not a single one of them, um, not a single one of them reported side effects. Okay. Or adverse effects from the L-carnitine use. Huh, okay. So, like low heart rate or what have you. Well, they certainly the didn't one, see anything with their thyroid numbers. Because well, <laughs> yeah. you won't. Right, exactly. Won't. Like, <laughs> exactly. That was the interesting thing. I kept on looking for that. It's like, it's that's a really, there was only, like they said, the one study. Yeah. And I think, like, TSA budged, but it, it literally was the average movement was what you would expect based on just measurement variability. You know, okay. week to week, lab to lab, or what have you. It wasn't. Any, it wasn't anything that would in any way been. I don't think anyone would have noticed that much of a. It was like a ten percent change, and it wasn't statistically significant. It was like okay, something moved, but it was like nothing. Yeah. Um, and who knows? That could have been seasonal too. Like you know, things happen. People change their activity levels, and mm. you know, when it gets warm or cold, there's all sorts of things. Yeah. Um. So. Yeah, I, I've, I still wonder, a lot of people say, and when they do injectable carnitine, that they get this like flushing effect, okay. where you can feel it, like the burning. That's not, not something that I hear universally. I'd be interested to hear what people think. I've, I've wondered if some of that might be just an inflammatory effect from the solvents mm. used in whatever they were injecting, mm. um, perhaps. Uh, it could be increased metabolic rate, because this particular study said a 6% increase. This was the oral loading, but a 6% increase in energy expenditure. So maybe, you know, there's something that wouldn't be like, Oh my God, I'm on fire. Like I'm burning up baby. You know? Yeah. I'm a disco inferno here in the, in the weight room. I can report that when I first started experimenting with it and I was using it pre-workout that I would experience more sweating while training that yeah and I, i've heard that from a couple clients as well one guy who's an mma guy and he would right. he, he had a natural guy so we were looking for an edge something that wouldn't you know be something that wouldn't be tested for basically that could yeah. help him with his dieting and you know possibly help him with his energy and stuff too while while dealing with like trying to make weight and he found that he was getting a lot more sweating as well while training yeah yeah, that, I hear that a good bit. So that's that's not something that that comes up in the literature. So okay, um, there's also, and I should, probably should address this Ooh, too. Let me ask to um, the audience, you yeah, guys, comment, yeah. comment, please. If you have had experience with L-carnitine, I'd be curious to know if you've had like excessive or more sweating than you had previously. Yeah. So there's also this singular study that came out of Bill Kramer's lab. Um, suggesting an upregulation of androgen receptors. Mm, yes. Um, so uh, that study, I go into the details of that study. That would take us probably 
I could just whip out the details, but it's it's so complicated. I don't. Know, it, it's it was it was a crazy. Yeah, more so, sweating, right. more mental clarity from Doug. Uh huh. Yeah. So like, you know, it, 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 some of that makes sense too. If you feel better and you're exercising harder, you're going to sweat more. You're, you know, that also makes sense. But you know, the same. Be interesting if they, they could have measured that in that Stevens study. They could have, you know, measured sweat rate. Yeah. Um, maybe at a higher intensity or something like that. But um, so this particular study was done. I can just highlight some of the things. Um, it was a it was a crossover study. So they did, um, and they had they had a one week washout period. So they went for I believe three weeks at two grams a day, if I'm recalling correctly. And one group got placebo, the other group got L-carnitine, and then they did. Um, two bouts of resistance exercise separated by 48 hours. And uh, in one bout, they were fed immediately afterwards. Um, and the other bout, they weren't. And so they had one, they had one run where they had been taking L-carnitine for three weeks, and then they did um, fed and then uh, unfed two bouts within 48 hours and without in the study, they didn't say in any way, shape or form, they controlled for the exercise previous to those two bouts. So for someone who's not used to training, like they were, they're, they're, um, they're doing full body exercise in this particular study. Like, so they they didn't say like, Hey, like let's do the same workout for the week before we do these two sets of tests. So at least we can keep that pre-exercise effect the same. Didn't control for that. So imagine you go in the, for the first round of those two bouts right in a row. Mm-hmm. And uh, um, you're like, ah, I'm just going to keep training the way I was. And like, you know, your, your first day into the lab is on Friday. And you train legs on Thursday beforehand. And then you got to hit legs Friday and you got to hit legs on Sunday. You'd be like, oh, fuck, I'm not doing that again. <laughs> so you come back next time around a month later and you don't do that. Obviously, because you're like, you know, that was stupid. That changes the impact of those bouts. So there's so many details in this study. So they, but they, they ran them that way, and then they crossed them over. They gave them one week washout, and then they crossed over the group that got placebo, got L-carnitine. The group that had L-carnitine goes on a placebo, and then they let them go for three more weeks, and then they did two bouts again. So a couple problems there. Um, it may take weeks based on the loading studies. Um, it may take longer than three weeks to get properly loaded. Hmm, yeah. um, and it may take weeks for a previous loading effect to be gone. They only had a one-week washout. Uh, They're measuring blood carnitine levels, okay, not muscle. They did, before those two bouts, they did a pre-bout measurement of antigen receptors and before the first of two bouts, and then they did a post-bout number one, and then a post-bout number two. But they didn't do anything before the second bout. So what happened in the first bout may have been still persistent and made the, the mm. baseline before the second bout different. Yeah, They didn't measure that. That's a problem. So we have washout problems, loading problems, and we have pre-exercise problems. So we're going to compare that one bout where they got fed afterwards or the one bout where they got fasted. We don't have a pre-measurement after the second bout. Here's the other problem. 
and if I'm remembering, the, which it doesn't really matter which way they did it, but when they were on L-carnitine, their first bout was fasted. The second bout, they got food right afterwards. Okay. When they're on the placebo, every time they flipped it around. So there's an order effect there as well. Hmm. Why they did that, I have no idea. It's nice to keep some things consistent, but that's an order effect. So they didn't make any measurements before that second about. So with L-carnitine, they were fasted for the first bout, fed for the second, and for the placebo is the other way around. And in none of the cases did they make measurements before the second bout to see if they come back to baseline. They just used the previous baseline. You're right, exactly. Mm. So it's like, ha. Huh. Um, so what they what they found was that with L-carnitine, you had a higher and they said this in the paper, but they didn't. They didn't actually note it in the figure, which is kind of odd. Um, it wasn't noted with the asterisks and things that are used to denote significance. They came into that first bout um, with reduced or with elevated antigen receptors in the skeletal muscle, okay. and the bout did not increase antigen receptors. Now, in the placebo condition, the bout did increase antigen receptors interestingly hmm. in the first bout but the first bout was fed i believe i got it right in the placebo um no no sorry when you compared fed and fasted it was it was that way so they have a bout that increases antigen receptors if you don't take any l-carnitine but if you take l-carnitine that bout doesn't elevate antigen receptors hmm. there's one way to look at it the other way to look at it is that L antigen receptors were elevated across those two bouts, but we don't know what effect the first bout had on the second one because there's no measurement before the second one. And we don't know what effect having, having done the first bout 48 hours before fasted had a, an effect on the second bout where you got some food. I'm getting a little impact. lost here. I'm getting a little as you lost should here. be. Yeah. It's a horrible design. <laughs> okay, what, like, what is control for shit. Can I ask you this? What is commonly yeah. believed about... Uh, L-carnitine and androgen receptors. That it upregulates androgen receptors in the okay. skeletal muscle. And that's, that's, that's so, so people believe that if you use L-carnitine that you will have more androgen receptors on the muscle. Therefore, if you're taking a steroid, for instance, for us, you know, gearheads, then, right. uh, then you're going to get more out of your gear potentially is what, what would yes. be believed. Okay. Yes. And so, and then, and can you just say, I guess, in in real layman's terms, then what 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 did the studies show? If you wouldn't mind restating it, the the study, in my opinion, the study yeah. was in no way properly designed to demonstrate any effect of L-carnitine on antigen receptors. Okay, okay. So here's the other thing: sometimes exercise elevates antigen receptors. Just just about you go in the gym, you train, they go up. Okay. Sometimes it doesn't. They had one study, um, they've, and they, this same group has demonstrated that. It depends on the bout. So remember they didn't control for the training before the bouts? Yeah, yes. So the pre-measurement was taken before the first bout where they were in the lab. Right. They didn't control for what happened before. Some of those individuals may have been training in a way that elevated androgen receptors. 
And if they take L-carnitine and they know they're on it because they sweat more, I see. They can tell. Yeah. Because yeah. there's a placebo effect. They might just change their training around a little bit. Yeah. Okay. Okay. There's there's no and they didn't report that I recall seeing and I looked that they they basically asked their subjects you know afterwards hey do you know what you got could you tell yeah could, could you guess you know with any probability you know greater than you know chance yeah what you were on okay that's a problem with creatine people gain weight guys who are you know bodybuilders oh. weigh themselves regularly and yeah I was like okay I think I got the creatine I'm up six pounds in three days Something right happened right it wasn't I wasn't placebo so they didn't control for any of those things so we've got about mm. some some bouts will just increase the androgen receptors some okay. bouts won't we don't know yeah. why though is that, is that what you're saying we don't know why it's, that would happen it's 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 a my guess is it's a function of to how to what extent the bout is damaging oh. and disruptive to metabolism. So imagine you just decimate yourself. Yeah. Um, uh, then or, or, or imagine the muscle is like, okay, we got we got stimulated. We're, we set in action a growth adaptation. We need to be able to um, uh, engage all systems for 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 that purpose. And one of those systems is is directed through androgens. Which are anabolic, yeah. so it upregulates its androgen receptors, so it can receive an anabolic stimulus. And oftentimes, exercise does actually elevate androgens. So, generally speaking, it's not thought the acute effect of exercise on androgens has much to do with growth. The, the training studies don't really suggest that, mm -hmm. but there's something going on there where your, your your hormonal system can elevate androgen receptors and elevate testosterone simultaneously. Okay. Um, what will actually happen is testosterone levels will go down um, yeah. in the in like 30 minutes after you've trained. And the suggestion is that that's because testosterone is binding to the antigen receptor oh. and being taken in and doing its business. So it's it's not in the blood anymore. Blood levels go down because huh. it's inside the cells. I've heard it would um, go down after training, but I didn't real. I never thought about that. So if you had more better binding, then sure it would go down because it's getting yeah. used, like quote unquote used up. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's bound up in the cell, so that's kind of the idea. Huh, okay. Um, so, but but this study had so many loopholes and so many uncontrolled things, including the placebo effect. Yeah. And the order effect of because you get different responses whether you eat or don't eat. Okay. When yeah. You eat in both cases, you tend to get that effect where the hormones go down. Mm. You have a more and you so that suggests it's more anabolic to eat post workout than than to just be fasted and and not eat anything for the hour afterwards. So the study is like, it's so complex. Like I, it took me like, you know, probably two hours just to figure out what the hell they did. Because I kept <laughs> going, well, what did they do here? I'm like, well, there's their figure. Why did they do that? Yeah. They did this? Why did they do that? And it's like, if I were like, you know, the, the, the teacher you hated like in grade school who would mark up your paper with red, mm -hmm. you know, I would have been just like, <laughs> crossing red all over it because like every step of the way in terms of randomizing order effects the washout etc um there were issues with well, that study well what were their conclusions then on that study did they say that I mean, it that it did um there the suggestion is that l-carnitine produced an elevation in in, in androgen receptors okay they, fa they found that before the first of two bouts 
and they found that after the second of two bouts. Okay, but you're saying there's so many factors that that may not necessarily be true. Yeah, and when you didn't have any L-carnitine, that bout meant that you got an elevation in antigen receptors from just training. Uh, Okay, okay. Yeah, so just training will elevate. We're not talking like a doubling of antigen. We're talking like 15%, something like that. Okay. So, and it was only three weeks of supplementation. Oh, okay. So there's there's like so there's the issue there is how much are you actually elevating like what I mean how is this how is this effect taking place? Yeah, yeah. So that that and that's just one study. So the effect on androgen receptors is a function of how hard you train, who you are, the previous bouts having elevated androgen receptors. None of those things were controlled for. How much you eat afterwards. Yeah. It's like um, it was a shame because those are a, a very expensive measurements to make. Oh, really? Taking biopsies from people, mm. you know, and doing, uh, you know, radio labeled, radio labeled measurements of antigen receptor. And like, it's like, it's pricey stuff. Yeah. But, um, you know, they got funding for it. I'm sure I have to go back and see who funded it. But well, that's a shame. So, yeah. I, I mean, I, and I would trust me, I would love that. I would love that. So um, you tend to see with gear anyway, that antigen receptor um, goes up, interceptors go up. And, and remember, um, we had, uh, is it Alex KT? Was that his name on, on Facebook? Yes. Uh, yes. Uh, he had done the study in the UK saying that, um, that androgen receptors would continue to stay higher if you've used steroids, like longer term. He, he was looking into satellite cells. Oh, was it satellite cells? Yeah, that was his satellite cells as a mechanism for muscle memory. So you... The animal That's research right. suggests this, yeah. Um, but, yeah, the antigen receptor thing is, you know, it's it's even more complicated than that because, as we've talked about here, there's the, there's the genomic antigen receptor and there's also membrane-bound antigen receptors. Yeah. You know, and those those don't um, those don't show up when you do, like, an antigen receptor binding assay. Like, hmm. that's why, like, Dianabol and... Um, Anatrol? You and, yeah, a lot of the orals they don't like seem to show any binding affinity when you do those measurements. Yeah, although they have effects, and they actually have transactivation that can be measured. You can measure and see that they're turning on genes that are antigen related, that yeah. are antigen regulated, but they don't bind to the antigen receptor the way it's typically measured. So they're going in through another antigen receptor, another pathway. Hmm. So that's another, you know loophole in trying to take this one study where they just measured the traditional antigen receptor and saying, you know, L-carnitine did or didn't have this effect. Okay. So, yeah, it's, uh, um, that's, that study is just like, it's like, man, I would love, I would love, trust me, I would love that. I would love if you could just take more L-carnitine, just keep your levels pumped up nice and full and then just be <laughs> a, a fat burning machine. It would have no potential effect on your thyroid and then it would have, um, you know, elevate your antigen receptors because there's there's one study showing that growth, muscle growth uh-huh. over a training period is related pretty strongly. I forget the correlation, but it was a, a solid correlation between antigen receptor content and growth. So the more antigen receptors you have, the better. Hmm. It's a good thing, generally speaking. Yeah. So elevating those is a good thing as well. But right. L-carnitine isn't isn't from the data I'm aware of. Unfortunately, um, a solid way to do that necessarily wouldn't count on it. 
All right. Do you mind if I ask you a question then? Because I know this is this is yeah. a question we had been asked before when we talked about uh, L-carnitine and thyroid, and, and I know it's one that'll come up again. So, if with everything said today, uh, if you were to supplement with L-carnitine while dieting, would it be a good idea to basically like supplementally, like like proactively take uh, thyroid? hormone of some type t3 t4 you know t3 while you are dieting um to to basically i don't know i'll, I'll stop there but we we did get that question before and i know it's gonna come up again i, I think that's a yeah enough um i i think what sort of makes sense if someone were you know let's say someone's a physician and they can prescribe themselves whatever they want and they can do all those things so i can talk freely about you know, all this stuff absolutely um it would be nice before you take any like any else, before you get into the whole mess of things, get some blood work done, see where your thyroid lands. Okay, um, and then uh, um, just use a small amount of L of L carnitine. People may be wanting to. I didn't mention this yet here. Um, there's this issue with uh, formation of TMAO in the gut. It's a carcinogen that has atherogenic effects. I mentioned it when we talked about this way back when. Mm. So you take L-carnitine, like the vast majority of it never gets in the bloodstream. Most of it stays in the gut. The bacteria act on it, and they produce this compound called TMAO, which is which is can can be carcinogenic in the colon, um, maybe elsewhere even as well, and, and no atherogenic. Kidding. It gets in the bloodstream. Yeah, not a good – but you can prevent that with, with – um, with garlic can prevent the formation. Allicin is the active ingredient in garlic, which has some good effects on your blood lipid profile anyway. So um, that is something to think about if people don't want to use it orally. You do get elevated TMAO when you use oral L-carnitine, and then once you stop using it, it goes right back down, as you would okay. expect. Um, but there's that potential issue. So, But get blood work, where you're, knowing where you're at makes sense. And then um, using L-carnitine, let's say you decide to go the oral route, probably not going to run into a thyroid issue um, from what we've seen if you're U-thyroid or not on the high thyroid in the first place, mm. just at those typical doses, so the 200 milligrams um, or oral 2 grams, something like that. That seems to be kind of the sweet spot. You don't get more from 4 grams. Okay. Um, now, when someone diets down uh, – they may find in dieting down that their thyroid blood panel reflects that they're dieting down. Yeah. You'd expect that. So if someone is going gonna, is gonna to try to supplement thyroid in order to offset that loss of thyroid's actions, then doing that um, without, without trying to like um, offset a negative effect of L-carnitine, assuming you start at that low dose, mm -hmm. would make sense. So... Because for the same reason you would if you didn't know anything about L-carnitine being antagonistic L L to being agonistic to the thyroid. So just use it as you would. But using more to get to your question mm -hmm. is probably not going to do anything but mean that you burn up that L-carnitine mm. and you basically offset the L-carnitine that you're trying to um, use to boost up your L-carnitine levels. So it really is You're a balance. Then. Undoing your supplementation, I think, by going too high, and that's what I think some people end up doing is they go really high in the L-carnitine and they need the thyroid, yeah. or they just keep on upping the ante and boast. 
if they're really kind of smartly auto-regulating, and this is where someone who's measuring um, their morning rising temperature or they can just kind of tell from their energy levels um, because they're using so much L-carnitine on the long haul, they might start using more thyroid and start feeling more normal. Yeah. Yeah. So they're, so they're you know, a bodybuilder who's been at it for a decade and they've done, you know, 20 or 30 preps. And they kind of know it's like, okay, this is, I get to like six weeks out, man, and my, you know, my, this is where my thyroid levels tend to be low. I know as I've measured this, I think this is when I added my 25 micrograms or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, um, that makes sense. Yeah. What the about thing, the thing? Go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Is it- I'll say the, the thing is, um, <laughs> the thing is like another, like another, like, like potential danger, I guess, is that, um, if you're taking L, L thyroid at high levels, and this is this I've seen this so many times, and actually the, there's a study that demonstrates this hy- being hyper like taking too much thyroid is devastating for muscle mass too. Oh. It can be very catabolic. So you got to run a lot more trend. You got to turn the there trend. There you go. Up. You got to use like trend. Like trend offsets everything. Just use yeah. more trend. You're good to go. So um, I wanted to ask though too, TMAO. If you use it injectable, is it do you still have that in the gut? The that's the idea that yeah you would not form okay I don't you would not you, yeah because it wouldn't be there to do. okay I think it's all recoverable in the urine pretty much so yeah you're avoiding that exactly okay. that's the whole point but imagine someone who you know is losing lots of L-carnitine and uh, maybe they're using the old stuff that hurts a lot yeah. and they've upped their thyroid because they sensed they needed it and then they just take the L-carnitine out yeah and now they're left with high thyroid yeah. I've seen this so many times when people try to use thyroid as like an emergency measure to drop fat, like three uh, or four weeks out from, or two or three weeks from the show, and they just burn up their muscle, but like sure. fifteen pounds in like two weeks. It's easy. It's just, yeah, it's really easy to do. Um, so you—that's the thing. You—you're like you're if you're pressing hard with the L-carnitine, you're pressing hard with the thyroid at the same time. Yeah. You're just kind of trying to keep the stable spot. Once you take off the L-carnitine, boom. The thyroid will just kick your ass potentially yeah. if you were to do that. Better to have less pressure and be in the same spot, less L-carnitine, less thyroid, um, and not try to offset the L-carnitine because it doesn't seem like if you're U-thyroid in the normal range that you get the negative effects on thyroid, and that's where this dose response is kind of tricky. Hmm. You know, once you start trying to push things, the devil's like. Eh, eh, eh. Yeah, We're not letting you do that shit. Like says, we, these two molecules, it's really kind of beautiful from a homeostatic viewpoint that the two molecules offset one. A thyroid drives L-carnitine synthesis and inhibits, and um, but also depletes L-carnitine in excess. L-carnitine inhibits L-thyroid thyroid's actions as well. So they're they're like they're definitely like um, like. Uh, um, like Megatron and what's the other one from the Transformers? Uh, I was going to say Voltron, but that's not it. Megatron yeah. and uh, oh, somebody out there right now is screaming. Yeah, Optimus Prime. Prime. Yes. Prime. Optimus, that's how he said it. Prime. Megatron. Okay. We got yes. one more. We've got one more okay. question. We had a comment right. too. Uh, yeah. Amino Asylum, injectable L-carnitine, I am more sweating during workouts or just sweating sitting at home after eating at least 75 grams of carbs 
no burning or PIP. It was just a comment. I wanted to throw that up there. We are sponsored, or I should say affiliated with Amino Asylum. Use code THINK. You can get 20% off. We also did get Doug jumped back in with uh, <laughs> Optimus Prime. But he had a question, too. They said, um, is there a place for L-carnitine in the off-season in a caloric surplus, or should it be reserved to prep? A lot of guys that are getting ready to put on some mass during these winter months. Yeah, I remember. I remember John used to say, you know, save it for you know its effect because it does seem to work for lots of people. You know, there's just this sort of danger that I've I've tried to elucidate. Yeah. Um, so, um, you know, it's it's interesting. I, I wondered too. I kind of speculate. So, if and this is this is this is one like there's no research on this, but I've kind of pieced this together the one way. That's a I love that question because this this hit me when I was writing this paper. So imagine you're in a situation where you're someone who's been up in the ante on your calories. You're really pushing the size, and now you just can't eat more to get a caloric surplus. So you're you're just like ah oh, man, like you're getting food fatigue. Yeah, and what you want actually in that case is less. You got a question? I see a. Uh, I see. A, no, I'm listening like a, to you. Oh, I um. What you want in that case is a lesser caloric expenditure, right? But you don't want to like like a metabolism that's sluggish. You want a metabolism that still does a good job of burning fat, right? So how can you achieve both of those things simultaneously? L-carnitine. Hmm. Hmm. Because if, if you take enough of it, and let's say your, your, your thyroid is one thing that's running really high because you're eating so much food, which yeah. is something that happens, and um, you want to slow that down, L-carnitine would actually do that in high enough amounts, and you would ensure that your, your muscle levels are loaded, so you're going to get that, if you have been using especially, you're going to load with L-carnitine more than likely if you take enough. Because remember, like 15 milligrams, maybe maybe twice that if you're exercising, a turnover is very little. Mm-hmm. So 200 milligrams is a shitload compared to that. So you start taking 400, 600, let's say, and this is pure speculation. I mean, it's, it's hard to know like because, like I said, the dose response is so wacky with this stuff. Um, but you start taking higher amounts like that, um, it's very possible that you might be someone who's really, they, they pressed every lever and now they're like, wow, shit, I need a slower metabolism. Hmm. I need to lie around more, you know, and I can't do that. I have things I got to do and I want to train. Yeah. So something that slows your metabolism down, which is what L-carnitine could hypothetically do. I'm Holy this is shit. a wild ass guess theory. Yeah, yeah. Would be useful in that regard, but it also is supportive because you don't want to just have a slow metabolism put on a bunch of body fat. Right. You want to make sure you're burning fat. L-carnitine is going to help in that regard. Huh. So it may, I mean, to be honest, like it may for some people, this is pure, this is where, you know, these, these theories, I don't know if I, well, who knows? Maybe this will just like take off like wildfire. Everyone will start using our carnitine in the off season, you know, because like because it's a great it's a grandiose idea, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you could if you could if that is like remedies those issues with caloric balance while at the same time helping with fat burning. Yeah. Then you get the caloric excess you need, and it prevents at the same time fat accumulation. That's a win win. Huh. So that's my that was my thought on that, and I've wondered too. For individuals who are thinking, 
hey, you know, this stuff, especially if it has, there's two things. People thinking who are using gear, I take this stuff and I get more energy receptors, everything's going to work better. Well, you've got a couple things. One, it's an injection right. in most of these cases. people, are, Most people are injecting this now, I think. Some people take it orally. You can. Um, I've heard some from some people who suggest doing that, and that, I totally get that too. Like it's just, aside from that TMAO thing, which is you know hard to know how you know powerful that's going to be. It's just a risk, you know, potential. Um, most people are injecting. When you inject something, placebo effect is going to play a role if you're susceptible to that because you've just injected it. Like you know, it's like it's got to do something. Be doing some shit, you know. Yeah, and yeah. I hear it increases energy receptors. Plus. You start getting sweaty and you're sweating more in the gym. You're like, okay, I'm on the shit. Obviously, oh, this is doing yeah, something. It's, I know it's impacting my metabolism because I can feel it and I can see it. Yeah. So that's going to have a placebo effect. And if, if it was, so you may train harder, you may do things differently. And actually, if you're someone who's in that scenario where they can't get the caloric um, surplus needed and it does actually slow metabolism and, and help with fat burning, it may actually be having a beneficial effect on growth that you're seeing, not because it's doing anything with antigen receptors, yeah, but because of those other reasons. That's a possibility. Huh, okay. So, so, so guess what happens? You see it working in that way. You start gaining some weight because it slowed your metabolism because you're using so much. You're thinking, oh, shit, uh, here we go. Now my gear is twice as good or whatever. Right, right. And I'm going to train harder because I've, I'm injecting more shit. Like you start to do everything at once, you know. Yeah. Those are behavioral reinforcements. Each one of them kind of couples together to synergize and supporting behavior towards what is actually working really well for you. You're getting the feedback of progress, which motivates even further. So you all kind of get a uh, – everything comes together synergistically – and regardless of its placebo or, you know, antigen receptors may or may not be or these other things like with like shifting fat fuel in the right way and slowing metabolism for the caloric excess that you're looking for, you know, it all kind of comes together. So that's where, you know, people can come up with bro science and say, oh, it does the antigen receptor thing for sure. The science doesn't suggest that. I would say if we're going to speculate, which is what I'm doing now. I would say that a growth effect in the off season is more likely a function of what we know and have seen with fat with fat use, which makes sense mechanist, mechanistically, and slowing metabolism to create the caloric excess, which we know is important too, as opposed to the idea of antigen receptor upregulation. So that makes L-carnitine something that could be useful for someone who is um, who isn't using gear. Right. You know, it's not that your gear is going to work better, and that's why you want to use the L-carnitine because you're on gear. It's maybe because it has these other effects, which help you burn burn fat, prevent the fat accumulation, and gain muscle from having the caloric excess that you need hmm. um, to do so. So that's my thought on so that. It's like, if anybody it really tries cool it, molecule? yeah. If anybody What's tries that? it, if anybody does an off season and they're like, "Hey, I'm going to try L-carnitine with it." Let us know how it goes. Let us know if try try Scott's theory out for us. Yeah, and you know, I, and now I'm imagining like I know people have like have done this because I hear about it all the time. It's not like I'm spilling the beans, but people were like, "Man, I had a, a rotten cheat meal. You know, I really yeah. overdid it." And they just take some. They just take a thyroid pill. Yeah, you know, yeah. they just take one. 
I don't want people going and like, oh shit, I just fucked up. I'm like, like a giant five <laughs> five mil syringe of L carnitine. Get know? the emergency L carnitine out. <laughs> right. Oh fuck. So, yeah, but it's a cool, it's a cool, cool little um, metabol, cool little um, tablet or a molecule. So. Well, this is cool. Yeah, this is uh, this was um, enlightening. This was a fun conversation, um, and I also want to mention too that guys, if you want to learn more from Scott, because there's a lot more to learn. This is just like this is a little tiny fragment of. Uh, I I, uh, I would highly suggest that you go Ooh, out. Look at that. Yeah. Yes. You grab I don't the book. Don't have to hold it up anymore. I can you just don't. go like this. Oops. Yeah. <laughs> Here, I can like I can move it around with you there. <laughs> Look at that. Uh, check out the book, Be Your Own Bodybuilding Coach. You can go to byobbcoach.com or you can go to Amazon to get the hardcover. I know a few people over at the Think Big Bodybuilding Facebook group have been saying that they, they got the book for Christmas. So I saw a post yeah. over there. A few people posted up cool. on YouTube. So yeah, I think it's cool. And there's, there's a lot of great insight that'll take you from uh, creating a plan. It was a great time actually to pick the book up, you know, beginning of the year, because you, you talk about, you know, basically developing a plan for your bodybuilding year and then carrying it out all the way through peak week, you know? So uh, there's a lot you could get from this. Yeah. And actually I'm glad you said that because I kind of clicked with me. Like the first, one of the big questions or big focuses, foci of the book at the beginning is goal setting. Yeah. Which is what you know, everyone's doing now new New Year's resolutions and all that kind of, even if you like think they're kind of like whack, they don't, you know, usually pan out. You still can't help but think, what am I going to do this year? You know? Absolutely. Um, and I have on my website, Dr. Scott Stevenson, drscottstevenson.com, um, the body, personal bodybuilding inventory, okay, which is in the book, in the paper book, and you can download it. It's a PDF form, actually, that you can download for free. It's for people to use, and you actually I set it up with buttons and all. It's all you know fancied out, so you fill in you know you your stats. It's basically sort of my intake form, but it's meant for an individual to sort of do a check in with themselves on what their goals are, huh. you know the things that have worked, the things that haven't worked, to basically outline and do a self assessment of where am I and where do I want to go. And the most important thing, the thing that I so often. Um, kind of struggle with actually at the beginning with people who come to me to do consults is formulating goals yeah. that are um, achievable, that are measurable, and that have a timeline. Yeah. So, you know, we have sort of this nebulous goal of, you know, just kind of being a super fit, badass bodybuilder, but that doesn't tell you, you need to, if you want to have a plan to get from A to Z, Mm -hmm. And that means if you don't know exactly what that means and what timeline that's going to happen and you're going to be very, very lost, which is where many people kind of are. The goals are so important there. So people can download that form. Mm -hmm. They like it's totally free. It's not a you don't have to pay anything. And when you put your goals in, say, you know, I want to move from the middles to the light heavies or on a movable weight class or I want to have um, five pounds of muscle by the end of this year. So that's five pounds. Of, how are you going to measure that? Well, I'm going to figure out where I can do DEXA. Yeah. It'll give me a fat-free mass estimate, and I can figure that out. And how do I do that? And that's actually, I have a whole um, monster question. That's one of the goals, moving up a weight class, the very beginning of the, of the book itself. But you can set those goals out, and like it gives people a way to, 
instead of having a coach who asks them Q&A and, you know, dissects those things out, that form is basically you lie all those things out and you're like, oh, now I know what I'm dealing with, you know? Yeah. I couldn't, I've, now I formulated my goal, well, shit, it's black and white. I got to put on 15 pounds at least if I'm going to get eight pounds of muscle because I'm going to gain some fat with it. Yeah. In fact, I probably want to put on maybe a little more, but so I can get ten pounds of muscle. So when I diet down, I still got eight. Yeah, yeah, right. So that's gonna. So that means about a pound a month for the rest of the year. Yeah. Okay. Now I know. So you don't end up in in like March and you're like, shit, what happened? I didn't gain anything. It's like, well, you knew you had to get at least a pound every month, maybe even more at the beginning, less at the end, because you know, diminishing rule of diminishing um, gains is going right. to apply here. Mission return. So, yeah, so that that's a, that's a – I would love to see – I don't have any way to monitor, but I'd love to hear if people mo- download that. You don't have to buy the book. You can just use that, and that one might be just all that people need to kind of get going in the right direction cool. for the new year. And when so you say that's free, year. that's yeah. not like that's not like all we need is your email and this and that. That's like – that's There's just nothing. legit. I, that's what I figured. You're just like yeah, legit giving yeah. that away. So that yeah. is cool. That is cool. And you can um, – I mean, it has links and stuff in there. Like yeah. You can click on the link and you know go to my webpage and that kind of thing, but um, also it's got a, a you can so you could do that. I think you can. I admit it. It's totally open, so you can fill it out, save it as like you know your January two um, version, and then you can. There's a clear button, and you can wipe all the fields clean. Okay. And start it over, so it's reusable. A reusable. Um, you can send it to all your friends. They can just clear all the info out, you know, or you can leave it filled out and then adjust things as you come back. That's cool. um, And check in. Yeah. So I like that. Yeah. I like that. So definitely check it out, guys. Be your own bodybuilding coach. Um, One of my clients uh, just bought Fortitude Training, the Fortitude Training ebook. So I know he's he's looking at, dude, he read the whole thing. Uh, Andy, what's up, Andy? He read the whole thing in like a a day. Like he was like, he's like, it's easy to read. He's like, I'm, you know, 70 pages in, you know, whatever. He's like, I hear that a lot. Yeah. 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 So he he went through the whole thing. He's going to put a plan together and, and, and see what he can do with that. So that'll be cool more free stuff he just needs to look at his purchase email he can figure out how to get on my discussion board and i answer questions for free whenever they get posted there that would be great when he comes up with four to two yeah. training questions ask scott uh, don't ask me yeah. ask scott you can ask him you, you've earned the right now at this point but uh also check out our great sponsors truenutrition.com uh use our code think you're gonna you're gonna need some protein and some supplements to reach your goals and you want to go to a place that you can trust so go to true nutrition uh if you are in canada go to supplementsource.ca and uh you know we were talking all about uh carnitine here so check out amino asylum scott it has been a pleasure this was a great kickoff to the year man this was cool Thanks for putting up with all the complexities of this. This is a it's a wild topic, but um, it's a really cool molecule. It's yeah, it's pretty. It's this has like been one of my favorite um, flurry of rabbit holes. I think really, that's cool, man. I would that's say cool. so, yeah, because it's because like oh, I didn't know that. I could, it's fun to find shit that I don't know and then have to dig in and kind of figure it out and and especially when like okay, as far as I know, and like no one even knows what's going. on. There's a lot of those, you yeah. know, and. Well, I'm honored that, to be along for that ride. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Glad to bring you along, man. See you guys. Adios.